right, but we're live. Welcome. Welcome, everybody, to Season 2, Episode 5 of Go With The Flow. Very special guest in the building, um, my friend Bradley Phelps. Welcome to the show, Bradley. Thank you so much. I've noticed that you say uh, special guest yes. every time um, you start these podcasts, which makes me feel an interesting way. So, <laughs> like, how special am I on, like, if you had to choose between... Like on a one to ten scale, how special am I? On a one to ten scale, yeah, like yeah. Ten being like Eyes Gruber, one being like my first friend who was just the Jaylani who did it for me just to yes, start off the yes. house. And where do you rank on that absolutely, scale, special guest? Absolutely. Which again, I will say you are all special guests. Even just doing my show, I really appreciate it. So you are special. Gabby's the least special. Gabby's definitely like a negative point one. I'm gonna <laughs> get her to listen to this just so she can hear me say that. But no, you're like at a seven, eight. Eight, seven, eight. That makes me feel good. There you go. Yeah, that makes me feel good. (laughs) It's funny because I also on the Artemis episode, that was the first time where I realized I say special guests every single time. But like I said on there, I mean it every time. So you're kind of banking on the fact that other people, that that your guests have not listened to the show. Yeah, kind of. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) I mean, that's fine. Wait, just could you also just tell the people what you just said like 10 minutes ago about you doing recon for the episode? Yeah, yeah. So I was basically treating this like 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 a class you know so I listen to a lot of podcasts most annoying thing is when the podcast guest doesn't know what's going on so I was like trying to do some prep you know I I listened to the Ice Gruber podcast and um, knew that one but I wanted to see how the show had evolved a little bit so I listened to the Gabby episode for the first 15 minutes Um, listened to the Andrew Hama episode Try to get a taste of season one and season two. A little bit of evolution. I was about to say, what are your thoughts? Can you just explain what type of growth you've seen in the show? And me as a podcaster, just just tell me the type of growth you think you've noticed from season one. Yes. Start of season one to end of season one to season two. The audio quality is is better. The audio quality is better. Um, I think that because you are a natural conversationalist, I don't think that that part... Like, I think you were you were destined to be good at that. However, I don't like that. However, where's where's this going? <laughs> the, the however, actually, isn't necessary. The uh, this one of the best parts is the theme song, and I love the theme song because it is uh, like who who rapped that last part, that second part of the. So the theme song. I'm glad you bring that up. I don't know if I said this. There is a rapper named Wale. Okay. But his name is also Falarin, so he's Wale Falarin. So he says oh. the name on a bunch of different songs. And actually, he just came out with a song with J. Cole like two days ago, who is my favorite rapper ever. And in the song, J. Cole says Falarin. Okay. So he says my name. So I'm actually going to... You're going to change it I'm, to the J. I'm Cole not going to change I'll probably make that the outro, because I just need to find a way to loop that in at some point. Gotcha. But the name of the song is Chill, and it's Wale featuring Lady Gaga. And he like says Falarin be balling for all y'all to say I'm like this hey come on like, yeah. that's that's perfect for him yeah that's so good. I literally just like took clips out of the song the first part is like the intro of the song and then I do like the like the like the DJ scratch and then it's like the Falarin be balling for all y'all to see just like loop that back twice and then yeah. I put the smash sound effect I don't know just a little cool thing I came up with but yeah I was the one who was like what song lyric that has my name do I want to start the podcast? And that's when I came up with. And there's actually been such great feedback about that. It is great. So I'm it glad, is great. I'm glad you brought that up. Thank you. You're welcome. Yeah. Okay. So now. <laughs> <laughs> Brad. So can I just say, I'm a little nervous. You know, this is the first time on a podcast. Okay. But I'm going to try and treat this like we're catching up. Because yes, you um, I don't 
see you very often. When I see you, it's very quick interactions. It's always a pleasure to see Florin. However, yeah, and, and I'm the first time on a podcast. What else? Yeah, so I'm just going to try and bring it today. You yeah, know, I'm going to try that. and bring it. I'm going to try and be a good guest for you. And, uh, you know, we'll see how it goes. Like, I'm going to try and achieve ice creamer levels. <laughs> Which I think you'll be able to do. Okay. And we, because we're going to catch up. Not, I'm actually going to put it in my calendar. We're going to get lunch this coming week. No, dinner usually okay. works better for me. So okay. we're going to catch up properly outside the podcast. But okay. thank you. So You're welcome. Brad, Brad Phelps, um, the way I usually have all my guests start the podcast is by telling me a little bit about themselves, where they're from, things they're involved in on campus. So could you just get into some of those things for me? Sure. Um, yeah, so I'm from the Willamette Valley of Oregon, uh, which is like, this is kind of, I used to say like Salem area. People don't know Oregon. People don't really know the West Coast. Yeah. And then people... Like, it's actually kind of interesting because people, like every other person I say, Willamette Valley, they're like, know it instantly because either they visited there for like hiking or something, or it's also like a wine country region. So okay. people will have wine from there fairly often. Um, yeah, so that's where I'm from, kind of agricultural, woodsy region of Oregon. And uh, yeah, I'm a history major, senior, of course. Um, Future governor of the great state of Oregon. It, Pays very poorly. It's like one of the least. <laughs> it, it just like you know. But it's you brutal. wouldn't do it it's for brutal. the money, though. You wouldn't do it for the money. You you love politics and you love to serve, or you would like to. Sure. I mean, if they paid me better. Um, <laughs> no. But uh, yeah. So that's that. And then I'm involved. I'm a secular person, but I'm involved in the office of religious life because it's a which I usually have to explain, but it's just a good community like dialogue groups. And then. Um, uh, I'm our class senator in the USG. You're our class senator? I didn't even know that. I'm oh, one I of the two. Okay, I definitely voted for you, but I didn't. I completely forgot that you were. I was unchallenged, so even okay. if you didn't <laughs> vote for me, I wouldn't take it personally. Uh, uh, Reed, Ben, and I are the class senators. Um, yeah. Okay, so honestly, on that point, what do you do as a class senator? And to be to be quite honest, a lot of the USG roles. I don't know what they do, whether it be president, vice president, treasurer, I guess, want, is one, treasurer handles funds. Sure. What do you do as the senator? Please, please let me know. Would you like me to break it down a little bit? Oh, of course. Yes. Okay. That, that's so, what podcasts are for, for really <laughs> yeah, breaking things down and getting into things. So there are two, two st structures kind of in USG. There's like class government, which is like every class has their own like president, vice president, treasurer, secretary. Um, and then there's the USG and the, the, so within that, there's the USG class government, and then there's the Senate. And then the Senate is made up of at-large representatives um, from the whole uh, undergraduate population, uh, class senators, which each class gets two of, and uh, a president, vice president, secretary, treasurer. And then there's like some committee chairs uh, that run standing committees. So like academics committee and stuff. Uh, as a senator, I like have to... I get to um, basically propose task forces and I either serve on multiple task forces or I can chair one. And so the uh, task force that I'm co-chairing right now is Stephen Daniels, um, who's a class of 2023 um, senator, is called the Community Dining Task Force. And the goal of that uh, task force is to basically integrate local restaurants into the dining plan. So like the idea is that they already assign a monetary value to your 
pop your your ID, your PUID, um, which you can use at at late meal. Um, and it would be nice if you could use that at like olives or something else. This is great. This is. Thank you. I'm glad that you brought this up because Thank that you. is something that I think should be implemented. Because you know, you know, I love Duke. Duke University. Yes. This is the only example that I can that comes to mind because I've visited and I've seen this in practice. They yeah. have this place centrally on campus where they have a bunch of different restaurants, and their student cards work on it to get meals the same way that our, our PUID might work to get late meal. So I think it would make a lot of sense, a lot of sense to be able to help integrate, you said, the campus community with the Princeton community, which I know is a big initiative that a lot of people are trying to push. I think this would be a great way to make that happen. So this is great to hear. When is Thank this, you. When is this coming into action? So this is going to be probably, this isn't something that we're going to see. Oh my God. I know. Why I'm would sorry. you tell me that I'm then? sorry. So I'm, I'm cutting all this out. We, <laughs> we, we start so I started this task force um, sophomore year, uh, sophomore spring, and then it, before we went off campus. So there's a little more feasibility that we might see something. And then it just like, obviously, the whole world collapsed. Yeah. And so, uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, so now we're starting it back up and it'll be like a future thing. It'll probably be a couple years. The university like is a slow, you know, uh, they... Uh, they are responsive and they want to help the students as much as they can and make this experience as great as possible. But obviously there's a lot of logistical challenges that come with that. So, you, you know, know, what J. Cole said on his song, High for Hours, change is slow, always has, always will be. Yes. So, you know, that's that, just, that was great. That on- <laughs> 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 and honestly, I feel like this is great practice for you for when you are a future senator or governor or president. You get to see how it, the inner workings of all these institutions work, and you get to see that it, you it takes time for a lot to to be able to make to to make change. I'll say. I, I appreciate you saying that. However, every time you say every time I see you, you say like future senator, future governor over here. Yes, sir. The bar is very high like the bar is being set very high for me because i because uh, I, I believe in you i spent two months with you in kenya which we will get into later and i see the potential very well spoken very intelligent very charismatic caring dude and i see politics for you in your future if it's something that you want thank you i i appreciate that but i would like the bar to be on the floor as close to the floor as possible right, so that i can exceed expectations like okay. box under bridge uh, is a good start, and then we'll work our way from there. Okay, I like you know that. what I mean. Undersell, over deliver. That's also exactly. my life motto. So fine. Exactly. You are going to be the the chair of the board of education in somewhere in Oregon. Exactly. I will run a. Uh, I will be the chair of the uh, school board in rural Oregon, in there one of the. 400 person districts in rural Oregon. And you have my vote for anything. You Thank ever you so much. Yeah, you you will move out just to, uh, you will buy a house. I, oh, can I say that? You can say that. I'm going to cut it out anyway. Um, <laughs> just bleep it out. Just, no, no, just bleep it I'm out. <laughs> <laughs> we don't need to like disclose. You know. um, yeah. Yeah. So can you tell me a little bit, how is this like podcast doing? Like, do you like how many like numbers wise? Yeah, I want to. Can you, I hear the numbers or you? You cannot. You all will give you the numbers off air. That's another thing okay. that I like to keep. Pri- You're just out here trying to put everything out into the world. Well, I, like I just to like keep to pri- keep it open. You no, know? I enough, just like enough. to. I want to open the book a little bit. But so I is will it- say, no, no, no. no. I, to answer your question, okay. and so I will preface um, my answer by saying I've never really cared about the numbers. Sure, I do this because I enjoy it, and that's the reason that I still do it. Because you know we're all busy people. There's a lot going on, but this is one of the things I look forward to doing the most, like genuinely look forward to. 
Um, and so the numbers don't really mean much to me. Like, if I see that a lot of people are listening, cool. If a lot of people aren't listening, also cool. So I will say, I actually just looked at the numbers for this season for the first time yesterday, and it's actually underperforming last season by, like, quite significantly, which, eh, I mean, kind of surprising, but also, like, it is what it is. Um, so there's been an upward trajectory every episode, but even the upward trajectory is still below what the first three episodes did last year. Sure. But so that's I, so I'm not going to say like specific numbers, but that is the general trend that I will I will say. Can you like see the breakdown of like where people are listening yes. and who oh, it is? It is actually pretty cool, and I will pull that up right now. I actually have I it, still have it up, and this so this is for last season. And okay. so when I say that it's a global a global podcast, I'm not lying. Um, and so. I'm looking at the numbers right now for Go With The Flow. This is all based on season one. And there were listeners in, listen to this, Brad. Okay, I'm listening. Bermuda, Japan, Estonia, Denmark, Italy, Israel, Australia, India, Norway, Spain, France, Nigeria. Let's go. Sweden, (laughs) Singapore, Brazil, Germany, Turkey, UK, Canada, and then 91% were in the USA. But those were a lot of countries I just listed. Yeah, so is it like... Are your theories like it's mostly pre-frosh, like people that are interested in applying, like who? Either that or people who have been guests on the episode who might have fa- sure. who might be from these places or have family in these okay. places. That, those okay. are my two theories about how um, I've reached where I have. But when I say it's a global podcast, no one can take that away from me. Even if it's just like one person from each of these countries, which it is, and that's the whole listenership, and it's just 20 people, still a global, global, global podcast. So what about uh, sponsorship? Like, are we going to get uh, Ficus to sponsor, you know, the Go With The Flow podcast? Get, what's, like, what's Ficus? It's the one that does, like, all the Snack Pass uh, promotions. Speaking and of they Snack seem... Pass, I'm, first, I'm a, I, have to, I hate to cut you off, but speaking okay, of okay. Snack Pass, I am actually now an ambassador for Snack Pass, so I guess that counts this as This podcast of, brought to you by... This, this podcast <laughs> is brought to you by Snack Pass, <laughs> and everyone, if you want to use your code, use the code P10, print, I said P10, P-T-O-N. E-A-T-S, which is my code, gets you $5 off. It gets you $5 credit, period, just if you use the code. You can only do that with my code and one other ambassador's codes. Well, I'm not going to give out because, you know, it's a little competition. I'm a beater. I'm sure, kidding. sure. Love MC. Um, okay. So use my code, gets you uh, $5 free credit, and then also gets you pretty cool discounts and all the, your favorite restaurants across Nassau Street. So, but the answer is no, currently not brought to you by Ficus. Currently, no. <laughs> not by, no, not brought to you by Ficus. Um, okay, and so reeling it back to you being senator. Okay, we're reeling it back. We're reeling it back to senator. I'm back. I like that trail. I like, like I said, I like to trail off. That's okay. Like, That's fine. I like yeah. to do all that fun stuff. Yeah, I like it. Um, any other cool initiatives that you got going on, or is that the, what do you say? That's the main thing. So, the, yeah, I mean, the Senate has like, a bunch of initiatives at any given time. Uh, the, most of them are on the website. I think it's usg.princeton.edu. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah. So the, uh, I don't know. It's just a cool, it's a cool thing. Like I'm, I am just joined like the academics committee, which is like a standing committee. I'm, like the chair of that committee, like works with, um, his name's Austin, works with like Dean Dolan and gets to meet, like work with directly with these deans. Um, and so at any given time, all of these people are working on uh, very crazy things. And I don't think that it doesn't get acknowledged a lot. Like the work that people do do doesn't get acknowledged a lot. Like um, for example, like the, the female hygiene products in the, in the bathrooms was a USG initiative. 
obviously if this if this community dining thing there's just a lot like even like the the weekend chopper which is for independent people i think was originally a, a usg initiative it's just like all of these things come together and just usg gets you know it's fine it but uh yeah yeah so we've covered what you do on campus now speaking just a little bit about being back on campus sure what would you say your how is how is the first month ish of classes met or surpassed or under or didn't reach your expectations? What what have your general thoughts been on how we've been this last year or this last month compared to what things were like in the spring? Because you were here in the spring, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I was living off campus in the spring, but it was. Uh, I mean, I was doing like all my work on campus. Um, yeah, it's good. You know, it's great to be back here. Uh, the um, just feels more alive. So I was here over the summer doing like thesis research. And so, and even in the spring, like there was only half the population was on campus. And so to be back with everybody back is like kind of a crazy experience. Like I went from half capacity to literally zero capacity to now everyone's back and it feels like a, uh, like a real community. And that's exciting. Like it just makes pe- things feel alive. Like you're connected to people when you're at print, when you're on campus in the summer, it just feels like there's like there's tumbleweeds, you know, there's just no nothing going on. It's quiet. And uh, so it's really interesting. Uh, being back in person for classes is excellent. I don't know if you find this to be the case, but I'm just like leaning in. I'm in a lot of seminar, seminars and I'm like leaning in to the discussion, like physically leaning in in my chair <laughs> And that's like not something I was doing with Zoom. Um, so that's good. Obviously, the masks, not ideal. Not um, ideal at all. And all of, okay, I'll, sorry, continue. Just like to say, like, all, number one, uh, in July, we didn't have to wear masks, uh, which was great. Like, you're in, in Dylan Gym, you know, which is our recreational facility. Shout out Dylan Jim. You're just uh, Florence employer. Um, <laughs> and you're just working out, you know, and it's a great time. And but when you when there's like 50 people in there at any given time, everybody's wearing masks. It just becomes like I understand that there are there are health constraints, but it obviously it is it is not an ideal situation. And I think the the Dylan Jim people uh, would admit that. Uh, so I'm just looking forward to when that requirement goes away. That's honestly my number one issue with the mask right now. And honestly, I am fully with you on that one because, and again, I like to always cite the, the test rates before I say these things, before people start to get all like, Oh, Shook. Like, are you yeah, such get upset. Yeah, get upset. <laughs> so again, off the COVID da- off the COVID Princeton dashboard, 99% of students, gra- uh, not graduated, actually, yeah, it is that for graduation, but 99% of undergrad students vaccinated, 90% of graduate students vaccinated, 96% of faculty and staff graduated from the week of September 18th to September 24th out of 13,451 tests, 12 positive cases for a positivity rate of 0.09%. And it's shocking. It, it's just, it, it, it is just shocking when you look at these like restrictions, uh, um, the eating club restrictions in some of these clubs is absurd. We just had some 
now we have like more signs put up everywhere saying like wear your, wear your mask all the time. But if you walk through somewhere like Frist, half the people are wearing masks. You walk through Firestone, half the people aren't wearing masks. A lot of these indoor buildings on campus, people are not wearing masks. And so I don't understand why all of a sudden it's this targeted effort to make the eating clubs be the most compliant with the mask. One, first of all, it's so contradictory that on nights out, do you really expect people to be wearing masks? The rules are like, oh, when you're eating and drinking, don't wear a mask. But that's all that people are doing for most of the night. So you just expect that in this little this little uh, caveat to the rule where when you're doing this one thing, you don't have to wear a mask, but people aren't doing that the whole time. So there's really no mask being worn the whole time. It just is very inconsistent. And I don't think it makes much sense on top of the very low transmission rates and extremely high vaccination rates that we have. And like if you walk into a dining hall, these restrictions aren't in place in dining halls where 200 people are gathered and, you know, spewing particles in every which direction for hour, two hours at a time. Um, so it's just and, and listen, I, I know obviously you can't eat uh, without your mask off, but like that is the reality of the situation of what's going on. And you're still having very low positivity rates. So it's just a really, like, there doesn't seem, there seems to be a disconnect between, like, I don't know. Like, especially in the eating clubs. Like, they have a little more say over what's going on. And I think some have, like, a different different rules in comparison to others. Is it set by, like, the grad boards? Is I, that think, right? I think it's supposed to be set by the university. Like, we're supposed to comply with what they say. Okay. But then, obviously, each one's going to have their own little freedoms to adjust as they say as they feel within that but also even just say something like when colonials open um for the first time a few fridays ago yeah it was absurd how many people are out there yeah hundreds of and hundreds of people strongs no mask in sight and as far as i've seen little to no transmission has come off of that which probably means there isn't much COVID on campus so i just don't understand the point of trying to now reinforce or just like hammer down on this mask mandate that I personally believe is not really doing much at this point because of our very high vaccination numbers. Now, if, again, if this was last spring, I get it, no vaccinations, um, still a lot is not known about COVID, fair, but at this point, I just think it doesn't make much sense. And like I said previously, I think it's going to get to a point where more and more people just keep ignoring it, but that's, that's all I got to say on that. I, like, the health officials at the university, they're great people. They care. Uh, I'm just, and I'm sympathetic, I'm just expressing this is obviously not desirable. And I think that you would admit this, health official. Yeah, um, I doubt the health officials so. listen. Although, also, I would like to add that the last, on this season, looking at this numbers, there have been, there's been a listener in Saudi Arabia. That's one in, cool. One in Turkey, three in Poland, and three in Germany. So, you know, like I said, global podcast. Actually, so, I, we never covered earlier how we met Brad. Sure. Tell the people how we met, and this is our segue into getting into our nice little long conversation about Kenya. Florin and I met. Um, so let, my preface, and then we can go into Florin's preface, is uh, which will come after the introduction of how we met. Um, freshman year, no idea how the internship process worked. By the time April runs around, uh, people start to panic. I was panicked. I had nothing going on. Um, an email comes out 
uh, via the listservs. Maybe my RCA sent it out. It was like a forward from the Office of Religious Life, great institution. Um, I was a little skeptical at first, but it really is a fantastic institution. Um, that basically said, like, want to teach in Kenya and, uh, like, spend eight weeks there. And I said, yes, of course. So I emailed Dean Timms, who was in charge of the program, and we had an interview. And then uh, apparently it went well enough that um, I got to meet Florin, who was another interviewer, interviewee. And, uh, yeah, and we be- went to Kenya together after a couple, you know, introductory sessions about what it was going to be like. And, uh, yeah. And then we spent eight weeks together. Yeah, exactly. And it's so funny because my situation was almost exactly the same. I was, although I had applied to a bunch of internships, this is when I was still pre-med. Um, so, you know, applied to a bunch of medical things and I applied, didn't get into much. And it was also, I remember this day, like it was yesterday, it was spring break. And I was also panicking. I told myself that at the start of spring break, that's when I was going to like buckle down and apply to a bunch of different internships to try to secure something for the summer. Because yeah. I was also um, panicking at that point. I was like, oh, I need to secure something for the summer. And then it was like the first day of spring break. And this email just pops in my mailbox. And I don't, and this is the thing, thinking about this right now, I don't even think it was from like a res college listserv. I feel like someone sent it to me specifically, like one person. It wasn't from a listserv. But all of a sudden, this email pops up in my mailbox, mailbox, and like you said, it says, do you want to teach in Kenya for two months? You get this little stipend. It's through the Office of Religious Life. If you are interested, email Dean Timms. So I did so, emailed her, and met with her like the next day. And I didn't even know it was an interview, to be honest. Yeah. I literally just showed up, talked to her, and at the end of the conversation, she was like, you're in if you want it. I was like, wait, what? Yeah, yeah, she did that for and, me too. And so just like that, that's how the trip happened. Um, and then that's where I met you, Brad. And then there were two others, uh, Ashley and Sarah. It was us four. And so, um, this was summer of 2019, which seems like ages ago at this point, Yep. but we were in Kenya for two months. So Brad, could you just give the quick synopsis of what exactly we were doing, doing over there? Sure. Where so, we were, what we were doing, who we were with. So think back to 2019 listener, uh, it's Trump administration, uh, just to, that's just context information. Um, it was a, uh, so Kenya has two seasons, has a rainy season and a dry season. Uh, it's right on the equator. And the, the seasons are kind of opposite of ours. So uh, in the July, June, July, August, when we were there, kind of a, kind of a cool 70 80 degrees couple 90 degree days there um and we went to so just just build that picture picture in your mind very green lush the impala research facility that princeton uh helps um manage and uh crazy place like giraffes everywhere elephants everywhere baboons like scary baboons, scary Those baboons. baboons. Are scary. Who got too close at times? Yes, yes. Um, rhinos? No, we didn't. We, we didn't, saw we, we saw, saw the rhinos in cages. Yeah, we saw them. No, like Hippos. on the reserve, not on the cages, like on the reserves. Yeah, but it was a large cage. It yeah. was not a cage. It was like fenced in area. Oh, it was a large fenced in area. It was not a cage. A large fenced in okay. area. Okay. <laughs> um, it's like when they call chickens free range. Um, and then, yeah. So we basically taught it 
four different schools, Lakiji, Daraja, uh, Impala, and Old Jogi. And they were uh, basically, we were teaching from Sarah, I think, even taught preschool to seniors in high school. Uh, you know, every day of the week was kind of a different school. And we planned these lessons out. And um, yeah, it was just a great time. And on the weekends, we uh, got to go like do see the sites. We went to Mount Kenya, which was crazy. Um, yeah, yeah. We saw the last right white rhino. Uh, just a bunch of really cool things. It was my first time really abroad, like I'd been in Canada. Just a crazy experience. Just completely insane. Agreed. Yeah. Exactly. And so that is the general synopsis of what we were doing there in Kenya. So we were there for two months. And so I was, you know, I was born in Nigeria. Yeah. But that was the only country in Africa that I'd ever been to up until that point. Yeah. And it, for me, one of the coolest parts was seeing just how drastically different Niger, uh, Kenya was from Nigeria and you know it's this thing where everyone looks at Africa as this one monolith yeah. where every single country is the same everyone's the same there but things could not have been more drastically different from Nigeria to Kenya and I was supposed to go to South Africa summer after that didn't work out and that's the next place I want to travel because I want to hit all the different corners of the continent just to be able to compare and contrast and see how truly different everywhere is on the continent because we there, there's something to be said about appreciating different cultures when you're able to fully be like immersed in them and i think this trip gave me a greater appreciation for people who are different from i was and yeah. people who had different customs than what i had and it just really allowed me to like open my eyes and be a little bit more accepting of things that i don't know i might not have fully fully understood before yeah yeah and uh i think that's true it's also funny for me um I think, so one, you're, I, that's a good point. Like the West Africa, East Africa, it's like comparing like Nova Scotia to San Diego, San Diego, yeah. obviously very different. Um, but uh, I don't know when you grow up in America and then you like only grow up in America, you don't really get to experience anything else. There's an expectation that things are so different other places and so they and they are different. These are very different living conditions, ways of living, cultures, traditions, societies. But it's also like, I don't know, like at the I think we at the end of the trip, we had like a wrap up like presentation, all four of us and kind of our takeaways from the trip. And one of my takeaways, I think, was like, it's really interesting where the commonalities lie. Like I could say a joke to one of the uh, staff members or to one of the teachers that we were working with. And they would laugh at the joke. It was just kind of fun. Like, and everybody was hardworking. Everybody was like working to provide for their children. It was like the goals, the goals were similar. Like my parents' goals and these people's goals, the, you know, like a teacher or, um, yeah, like I said, a staff member. Uh, um, like it was just very interesting to see that. And it, it makes you, it makes me, it makes the world feel smaller coming back from that trip um you know what i mean i agree uh yeah um i don't know that's just uh that's just an oregon rural oregon uh hicks uh take on <laughs> on uh what it's like to leave the country for the first time no but i know but I, know that, I think that is a really good point though and this is honestly something that 
that I I'm someone who believes that as human beings all over the world, wherever you are, we are far more similar than we are different. Yeah. And we have so many different things to connect on because we all have the same human human experience. And until you are able to actually go out into the world and interact with these people who you might think might be so different from you and you find yourself talking about the exact same thing. So for me, one of the the biggest points of connection wherever I go is always like sports, soccer. Yeah. And so like being able to I could Manchester United, that's my favorite soccer team, one of the most global teams in the one of the most global teams that exists. Sure. I truly believe I could walk anywhere, any country, and just strike up a conversation with someone, and they'll know Manchester United. We could just speak about soccer, and the amount of times that, that was able to happen over there, where yeah. I could walk down the campus and it would be the exact same conversation that happens. It's just the little things like that where it's like, we, I think for the most part, we, we spend too long arguing and harping on the differences that we have together, whereas we should be able to, try to find the little things that bring us all together, and then from there be able to then speak through our differences, that sort of thing. Yeah. Um, again, it, and yes, this is this was just a, a little two-month trip, but I think it did give us all a lot of bigger realizations about like humanity in the world, because I don't know what you expected. I truly did not know what to expect from going to rural Kenya. Didn't know what the people would be like, didn't know what the food, just didn't know what to expect at all. And when I tell you that was, two of the most enjoyable months of my life where I was able to learn not so, learn so much about myself, but also just about human beings as a whole. Um, and I just really appreciated the trip for that purpose. It also gives, yeah, it, it is, uh, I also had no idea what to expect. There was one anecdote, um, one anecdote. So the Daraja School, which is this private high school for girls that's uh, basically run by, uh, like sponsored by Americans, um, by these American founders that created this school. It's a really cool, like, mission that was just a joy to, like, be a part of and, like, meet these girls. And, um, like, one day he was telling me, you know, uh, uh, he was telling us about the, um, or maybe Dean, he told Dean Timms this and she passed it along. But it was a, uh, like, after 2018, I think Trump said something like, uh, you know, we don't want any more immigrants from those shithole countries or something. We want more Norwegians or something ridiculous and stupid. And uh, the the owner, the the sponsor of this this school, uh, you know, came to visit the school one day, and like the security guard, the front desk, he asked, you know, how he was doing, and the security guard says. Oh, you know, just another day in a shit old country. And it's just like, like, I don't know, like uh, when you hear stories like that, you understand how small the, like the effect of America in the world and how like words like that have effect. Like, I, like a voter in Arkansas that is voting for Trump does not understand I, I don't want, this is not a political statement. I was about to say, this is a non-politics podcast. Sorry, continue. sorry. But <laughs> it's like, I just think that that's interesting. Like that e even, like even if Joe Biden were to say something like that, nobody who voted for Joe Biden would think that he would have that, that their vote would have that kind of effect on somebody that's living in Kenya and working as a security guard for this private all-girls school. And it's just crazy to think about how all of these things are interconnected, um, like you were saying, um, it, it's just like yeah, it's just easy to live in our own sphere, you know. 
Yeah, and just a few threats. So first, in a, in a minute, we'll get into Daraja because that was, again, one of the more, most impressive places that I've ever been. Yeah. Um, just the idea of, like, the global, um, like, scope of America, I guess. Another conversation that I remember ha- having was with the, the principal at one of these schools, and he was talking about how... Um, Lakiji? Is this John? No. Yes, 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 it was John Lakiji. And he was talking about how, oh, like... America, so like he, because I think this is an area where a lot of foreigners will come, but Americans especially will come. So like they yeah. are always there, like trying to help out in whatever ways. And he was like, "What, what, what is it like to be in a country where like everything is so perfect and everyone is so great that like you're able to just go out into the world and try to help these people over the world?" And I was like, "Oh no, John, don't get it twisted. <laughs> in America, there is the amount of poverty in America is absurd. The amount of just whatever." bigger problem that you would expect to to see in the world we have it in america that also exists here it's not to the point that um america is so perfect and that's why everyone is leaving to go all over the world to try to fix everywhere else and it just and that we had this great conversation about like oh if there's so much going on in your own country that needs to be fixed why are all these resources being put elsewhere and so just little little anecdotal conversations like that where it just makes you think about what it made me first it made me think like oh why am i here right now when there is so much like 20 minutes away from me that i could be working on to try to improve people's lives who live so much closer to me and that's not something i have an answer to why is it that there's so much external effort put out into the world where there's so much that goes on in this country that should be probably priority number one I don't know the answer to that. And I don't even say that's like a question for you. That was just more of a, like one of these little things where a, like a simple conversation just brings up these greater general questions that just have you think about like why exactly you're doing what you're doing and why things are structured the way that they are. Yeah, I think um, I think the answer to your question, I don't like, or not, the question that you kind of pose to yourself, right, is like, what am I doing here? Um, is like an overly, I think it might be an overly difficult question to ask yourself, right? Because like with that comes a lot of like guilt and, um, but I think like, and Dean Timms, I think emphasized this a couple times, is this is not your eight week experience in rural Kenya is not going to make, you are not going to, Change, change these people's yeah. lives no, like yeah, you it, it's yeah. just you're just not going to do that yeah. and that's and for if you think that you don't belong on this trip yeah um like this is an experience for you to grow through like meeting other people meeting people that are different than you and seeing and like gaining some perspective um yeah it, yeah I mean, it's a it's an experience. I think that people over some, it's like easy to say that traveling abroad is overhyped. Like I do think that there is some things like a lot of people, you know, it's like kind of like a, a cliche to say like, Oh, I learned so much through like my experiences abroad. Like the only way to really learn is to travel to other countries and explore new cultures. And like, that's how you become like not bigoted or something like that. But it's true. But, but it like, obviously like, British imperialists were pretty well traveled, <laughs> were pretty well traveled, <laughs> and still pretty terrible. So, like, there, there's some asterisks to that, but there is like some, there is some truth to 
the experience and like what it helps you like see that you would otherwise miss. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. And then just another quick thing, cause you're bringing up a lot of great things. I want to get into more what Dean Timps taught us about the fact that we're not changing these people's lives being there for eight weeks. It's way more about the change that's going to have in ourselves. And that is 1000% yeah. true. I think it's, it would be thinking way too highly of yourself to think that just being there for this two month span and this, like the greater span of these people's lives is going to have that much of an impact. Whereas for us, we are that two months is a lot more significant in our lives than it is for theirs. Yeah. And then another thing that you talked about on the subject of guilt, which I think for me was probably one of the hardest things to wrestle with on this trip is the simple fact that, um, and this is a, a, I forget who has this saying, but it's like, um, Talent is equally distributed, but opportunity isn't. Yeah. And I think this was like perfect example of that. So some of these kids that we met and interacted with, so intelligent, so smart. If they were, if, and I say like 1000%, if they would switch shoes with me and be in the exact, be where I am right now, they'll be doing way greater things than I would be doing and they'll be on such greater trajectories. But it's just the reality of the fact that they will probably never get to see anything outside of their little rural community. And for yeah. me, that was one of the hardest things to wrestle with. Because, see, like I said, I was born in Nigeria, was very fortunate to be able to move to this country and have, like, the trajectory of my life changed in that pattern where a lot of these kids um, will not be able to have that same sort of, like, life-changing, like, thing happen for them where they're able to really change the trajectory of their lives. And for me, that was one of the hardest things because it's just, like, everything is kind of luck of the draw at some point. Um I didn't really do too much to be where I am. I just was very fortunate. And it, it was kind of hard to see that all these very intelligent kids who are, like, again, like I said, way smarter than I am. Daraja especially, those girls were phenomenal. Um, and just because of where they are and where their circumstances are, they will not be able to, like, achieve some some other heights. Yeah. Yeah, no, there's, like, a... Your perspective is so different from mine in that way. Like, it is a, uh, yeah. Like, there is a certain, I don't know. Like, the more that, the more, like, as I get older, listener, um, <laughs> there is, like, a certain amount of, and I, I'm a history major, so I'm, and I, I study, like, the 18th century, like, 18th century America, and there's like a certain amount of like cruelty and coldness in the, in the world that you notice. Like there is a certain amount of, um, I don't want to get, I don't want to get too deep into this. It's all right. Uh, but, it's okay. It seems but, like we're, this is a, we're but you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Like there is a certain amount of, um, yeah, it's just, it's just hard to cope with all the time. Um, and your perspective is really interesting in that way. Like it, what, it, when you, you said that you had no expectations for this Kenya trip, but you had some expectations based on, right? You would have had to have, like I just really, first, when I came to Princeton, first time I'd been in the East Coast, very different experience, a little jarring actually. <laughs> um, like going to New York the first time, was mind-boggling. I had no idea what I was doing. The subways, that's like, like that's like trying to navigate the labyrinth. Like that is like uh, was a huge, like feat for me. But um, yeah. So I, I really had no, 
I felt like I had no context for Kenya, but you might have had like a little bit of a lar- a better context, right? Like, do you feel not even? I I don't really think so, because like I said, I only had been a Nigerian. That's the only country in Africa I'd been to. Yeah. Um, and so that was the only thing I had to base it off of. But like I said, it couldn't have been more different. Yeah. Like Lagos, big city, millions of people. We were in rural Kenya. Yeah. Not many people, more animals than people. So, yeah, I honestly didn't have anything to. So you, you've you never been to like rural Nigeria? Probably when I was younger, but not, not, not nothing that is like in my memory, no. Mm, interesting. Yeah. Yeah, that that's, I don't know. Yeah, there is a certain, the idea of guilt. Yeah. And even, because even for, even saying that out loud, it, there is the same, like, people might listen to that and be like, oh, who do you think you are to be able to, like, judge? Not, again, not judge. I'm not judging anyone. No. I'm just saying this, the, the, like, counter arguments that people might bring, like, who is to say that these people aren't perfectly happy in their scenario, in their situation? Which also is another thing that I would like to note is when you're in a situation where you don't really know what else is out there in the world, then yeah. you're able to be like fully content with what you have because all the people we met were some of the most happy, some of the most content people in the world. And so I think this was me bringing my own like, oh, I've seen a little bit more of the world and I know how much more there is out there and I want you to be able to experience fully what there is to have in life. And this is me putting my own like wishes on them. Whereas if I was to like say to them or they they probably don't even fully, they don't know that um there's there actually no because i no see i was about to contradict myself because the amount of kids who would come up to me and be like oh like you live in america you're so lucky like how can i come to america yeah so it's I, on one hand i want to be like oh they don't know what else is out there but then from all these kids who are like oh like we want to come to america that obviously isn't the case so it's just a hard thing to wrestle with it i can't even like fully describe so that's interesting so that so I, this is something um like, I'm from rural Oregon. Like, my nearest friend is a 25-minute car ride away. Like, it is, it was, like, isolated. I um, I was, like, the first person in memory to go to, like, an Ivy League school. And most of the, my friends, like, it's, like, 30% of the kids go to college. And I would say 80% of those people go to community college. And so it's just, like, a very different, like, you're, like, you know that the Ivy League, like, exists, you can set that goal for yourself. But until you meet somebody who is in, like, San Francisco at an elite prep school, you know, studying for the SAT for six months and got a perfect score on the ACT on their first try, then you know what your competition's like. Then you know, then you see kind of a model of how to get there. And that, so, and, and in that sense, it's kind of analogous Um because you know, you see it, you see it, you know that there's something out here that you just don't know how you achieve it. And that, and I think that might speak to what you're trying to say. Do you, do, how do you, I mean, you went to like a, your public school, right? And West Windsor was an, is a nice, like nice public school. Like yes, it, sir. It, do, and how do you feel like in New Jersey? I think that like New York kids feel like they can, like anything is possible. Like they are seeing things every day that shows that they like they can achieve this. Do you feel like in New Jersey you had that like kind of expectation for yourself that you that you could see like what was achievable? Definitely, because kind of like you said, went to a very 
competitive high school where a bunch of kids go to Ivy's, go to a bunch of these other great schools. So I think for sure. So I think the best comparison would be other schools in the county or in the yeah in uh, in Mercer County where there aren't as many kids who might go to even even go to university all. Yeah. And so for them, they might not set the bar as high, and they might not really know what else is out there. Whereas the the town is there, um, and if they had the opportunity, they would be able to crush expectations and do great things. But because of whatever other circumstances, they don't really have their sights on the same thing. So I think for me, that's probably the the most similar um, analogy to what we experience in in Kenya. Yeah. 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 But, okay, I said I wanted to speak on Daraja, which, again, one of the most impressive places that I've ever been. Yes. So it was this all-girls secondary school, um, like Brad said, founded by these two, um, this couple from California. And the way they described it is that they would just go around finding girls who had, like, the were the top of their classes but might not be able to afford going to a secondary school because secondary school isn't free um, in Kenya. And you have to, I think, so the public ones are, but they might not be as great. So also a lot of people will go to private school, um, which is very similar how it is in Nigeria. And so they would find these girls who had great grades but weren't able to afford it. And then they, through donors and other sponsors, they would try to get their um, tuition fully paid for in whatever yeah. way. And we were going there once or twice a week teaching these girls. And it was one of the coolest places that I've ever been. The sense of community that they have all together the amount of drive and determination that these girls had. It was one of the most impressive things that I've ever seen. And it was even to the point where I remember, because in, uh, in the primary schools when we're teaching the kids like math and science, that's very basic, I could teach that. I remember they asked me to teach a science class one time, and I got in there, and the girls knew more than I was. They knew more than I did, and I was like, I'm not, I can't, I'm not teaching this. You guys know more than I do. Like, I, I yeah. have nothing to give you in this sense. Yeah. And so it was just a very, very cool place to be. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was, uh, yeah. And uh, there, you felt you felt something was a little different. Like, in comparison to Lakiji, which is uh, was an elementary middle school, um, and there, there was a lot of uncertainty. Uh, families have to, in Kenya, they have to pay for high school, even public high school. And so the, I think the problem, uh, what Daraja was trying to address is usually that money goes to sons, um, and, uh, yeah. And at, at Daraja, you really felt like they knew that they were, they knew what was possible because, uh, these Americans, um, and, and the community that kind of built around the school re really was cheering them on. And they like put in transitionary programs to help them uh, apply to colleges and like do things. Um, and you could tell their, their their lives have been changed by that institution and yeah. that was cool and there, there was a lot of hope in 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 that process I, there was a couple times like I think um, at the other schools and I, I I remember one time that you like you had taken a kid aside and like spoken to him I think he was having a little bit maybe it was that last day uh, at Lakiji. Um, oh, oh, yes. Do you remember I, this? I do remember this. Yes, yes. I'll tell that story in a sec. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think that there was, I don't know, like when you're in that environment, you're kind of like trying to push, I think, 
like you're trying to push the narrative that we hear all the time, which is like anything's possible. Like you can do this. Like and some realities are a little bit different and how they get that is different. And, um, you know, and kids know that that reality is different for them. And so, you know, Daraja so fundamentally changed that calculation for girls that you don't see that as much. Like you see a, more hope in that situation. Yeah. Which is kind of interesting. Yeah. And yeah. again, yeah, I forgot to mention that about Daraja is the fact that a lot of these families, because they can only afford to send one of their kids to school, they'll send the sons to school. And so yeah. Daraja was exp- addressing that um, problem of the girls being a lot more undereducated because only the sons were getting sent to school. But yeah. That story that you were just saying, and this was another one of those like, I don't, I don't know. I'll, I'll just tell a story real quick. It was there was this boy, and I remember his name, but there's no need to say his name. Um, yeah. He was when we got there, he was like had like the the best energy, like yeah. top of the class. Because that's another thing. Like when they have um, their tests, they would post the class results on the board and like rank everyone for the whole class to see. Um, and so there was this kid, we get there, first few weeks, like, top of the class, like, everything in math, science, English. And then I start to notice over the course of the, our time there, only a short two-month period, that he was, like, performance was slowly declining, slowly declining. Um, and it was, like, the second to last week there or the last week or one of our last days there. And I, like, pull him to the side. I'm like, like, what's, what's going on? Like, you, when we got here, you were, like, like top of the class, Mars kid. Now you're literally like performing the Porsche and all these tests. Like, what's going on? And this was one of the most heartbreaking things that I've ever heard. But he was like, and I don't even know if I told you this. Did I tell you? I don't think so. Um, no, I think that. No, I don't think so. Yeah, and so, so I'm like, dude, what's going on? And kid is like on the verge of tears, and he's like, um, talks about how a, two of his siblings had passed away recently because of like lack of food um from starvation basically and that he one of his parents had also passed away recently and that he was living with his grandma and his grandma had promised him that if he was top of the class he she would buy him a bicycle and he was performing so well doing all these things but she wasn't able to get him a bike and so he was just really sad and then he was also talking about how for whatever reason, I think he said, like, his one of his... So his one of his parents had passed away. The other that was still alive was struggling a little bit and wasn't really able to go out and provide for the family. So on top of him having to be a student, it had been... The burden had been on him to go and find food for his whole family. Um, and so he was just struggling. He was talking about... He, he was, like, asking me for money. And I was like, I think I gave him a little... But, like, I, that was this type of situation where it's like... You want to help, but there's literally nothing you can do. And you see this kid who is this, like like I said, one of the most intelligent kids in the class. But just because of his familial circumstances, he isn't able to perform as well in school. And he has so much else going on on the outside where his performance is just declining that much. And you can see the impact that it's having on him. And this is like a like 12-year-old, very young child. And he has seen way more of the world and has had such a much harder reality than I have. And being in that situation, that was one of the biggest, like, mind fucks. Like, I don't know how many of us realize how well we have it out here. And that's another yeah. thing where it's like, I would never use these people as, like, a comparison to be like, oh, my God, I have it so great. But it's like, when I want to complain about one, I don't know, test coming up or complain about some little yeah. stupid thing, it's like, 
I really don't have it bad at all. And actually, I have it fantastic compared to 95% of the world. And so what right do I have to complain when here's this kid who just wants to do well in class, but he has to try to feed his family at 12 years old while also getting good grades and doing all these things. So that was to the, probably one of the like hardest conversations I've ever had in my life because you want to help, but there was like nothing that I could do. And I don't know if you remember this. So the um, there was... Uh Every day that we went, so Lakiji was the per, particularly, uh, uh, it was the poorest, yeah. I would say, school that we went to. It was the public school, purely public. The other schools, um, Draja is private, obviously, and Paula was subsidized by the, the research facility, and Old Jogi was on this reserve, um, and they had really built up this, 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 uh, the infrastructure for the school Lakiji is, is fully funded by the government and they are very dependent on, on that money and, um, and on the food that the government provides the school. And I remember, um, so every day we, every day we went there, we would go with our packed lunches and there would be the lunch break after, you know, at lunchtime. And we would eat our lunches and all the kids would kind of go back to their homes in the village. And there was a couple times where I asked, like, you know, like, you know, just air airhead, like, you know, what'd you, what'd you have for lunch today? And some, you, I'm not sure if you ever <laughs> asked that question, but some, sometimes it's like nothing like, uh, uh, oh, you know, they, they would kind of laugh it off, try to like play it cool, I guess. And so it was just kind of interesting. And then the one time that there was like corn or maize delivered. It was like a rush. Like the truck came, like everybody, all the teachers, the students like rushed to like surrounded the, the, uh, the truck because they knew that like they would have like meals for lunches for the next like few weeks. And they would lock it in like a container in like the back of one of the classrooms. And at the same time, remember, there were solar panels on top of these, on top of these uh, these school buildings, and iPads charging in the back room because it was like a government initiative to get iPads in the classrooms. <laughs> and uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, Dean Tim, Dean Tim's pointed that out to us. Uh, it's just like shocking, like <laughs> like why, like where. It, it's uh yeah it's it's crazy it, it's just a completely yeah i don't know yeah no I, and i do remember that day day very specifically also and that's just you know i don't know it was this the it was a great trip for many reasons but yeah. really puts life into perspective and gives you a different sense of appreciation and realize again that statement about talent being equally distributed but opportunity not being yeah. if there was ever a representation of that i think that was that that was that two months that we had yeah yeah for sure i can i can i rewind it a little bit yes sir. let's bring it back to a I, I, my experience in kenya is a very happy experience and i have fond memories of it but yeah um i didn't get to ask how you're doing like on campus like how do you how do you feel being back like how is it how has it been for you things things have been good um i Kind of like I mentioned right before we started, 
it's been hard to get back to the school mindset. I'm yeah. different from you in the sense that I'm not really like leaning forward in seminars. I'm kind of like leaning back, sure. <laughs> just chilling. I mean, I told you I've my first two assignments. I haven't done an assignment all year because I just haven't had any. But I have two essays due next week, so things are finally snapping back into place for me. But all the, I mean, all in all, things have been good. Like I, I really there really isn't much to actually complain about. I speak about things like the mask mandates, but like. Yeah. If that's my biggest concern, like life is good. Um, so overall, things are good. Happy to be back around all my friends, have run back on campus, have the social life being back to what it used to be, meeting new people again. Um, so, yeah, no, I can't can't really complain, especially after we just had that long conversation. I would, there, I, it, it just makes you, you, all, you need to re- remind yourself that very often, like yeah. we actually don't. And again, I don't know what everyone's individual situ- situation is. Sure. But as for myself, I really don't have much to complain about. Yeah, yeah. Do you, uh, so, you know what you're doing after college. Yes, sir, Ski. So... There's a certainty there. Which is a big reason why I'm so unmotivated okay. to do any type of work, yeah. Did, do you, uh, did you stay neuro? I did stay neuro. Yeah, so are you just like, you're just so tired of that BS right now? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> honestly, yeah, I, I can't even lie, yeah. Um, do you find it interesting anymore? Uh, do you... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's a no for the listener? Yeah, that's a, that, that's a, I can't even lie. No, not really. At this point, it's about getting the degree and pushing, keeping it pushing. But that's, that. yeah, that's, that's about it. And it's funny. Okay. And I don't want to cut you off, but we've done an hour and five minutes, which is pretty long. Um, the, the upper management has told me to try to keep this to under an hour and they, I've not been doing that. So I will just quick one, one last question on Kenya. Sorry sure, to bring it back to that. Sure. Cause we honestly, I could talk for, cause there's so much on about that trip. We didn't even get to, I yeah. could literally talk about it for hours, but just to put a button button on that topic. What would you say was either your like biggest takeaway from that trip or favorite thing? Just what, just like summarize, just have like a closing point about that trip. Yeah, I, it's, um, yeah, I feel like we went through all my, a lot of my closing, po- yeah, <laughs> like, I, just like so many takeaways from that trip, but like, uh, I think I started with it, it was just like, you know, everybody is just like, there, there's a, there's, I, coming away from that trip, I felt like there was a grounding and like, a human experience exists, like there is a, like people's struggles are not that dissimilar, dissimilar. Like even like obviously different levels, like as we've, as we've explained, but like you as a, somebody in Kenya is really just trying to provide for themselves and their kids. And they are working hard to do that. And, you know, at the same time, I, like people like uh, my, one of my professors in my history class was saying this the other day about colonial America so like people are just living lives like d- despite everything that is going on at all times like people are living lives people are going to school people are like falling in love people are writing poetry people are laughing people are like it's just like there is a human there people are living lives and it's just really it's good to keep that in perspective like this is a uh, we're just like all part of this like world and you know nobody really lives in isolation of each other you know yeah exactly and i'll just reiterate the one thing that 
what you just explained perfectly that I said a little bit earlier is we are so much more similar than we are different. Yeah. And we spend way too much time trying to argue about the differences when we should be building on the similarities and then working off of that. And, um, yeah, I think this human experience is, is a very unique thing. We all go through a lot of the same, the same things and we should spend a lot more time helping each other work through those, those little things. Um, and then as far as biggest takeaway from the trip, I would say again, last said this saying twice already, um, opportunity is talent is equally distributed, but opportunity is not. And as someone who is fortunate enough to have some sort of opportunity, it's up to me and every single person listening who happens to be in some fortunate situation to not only make the most out of that, but also help people every step along the way and be able to give back wherever you can. Because even for me, after that trip, one of my like life goals now is to go somewhere and build a school, so like a Daraja type of school, yeah. where just help kids who might not be able to have that opportunity otherwise. But that'll happen one day. I have a lot of goals. Podcast deal, <laughs> write two books, Podcast deal. build a school, just to name a few. But yeah, um, this, yeah. Is actually, this has been a great episode. We, feel, this has been one of the more serious, not serious, but like we've had like a real conversation. I was going to say like, the, I don't know. I don't know, listener in Estonia, you you write back. <laughs> but uh, was this better or worse than Return of the Narps with uh, Gabby? <laughs> very, um, very different. And I like, honestly, that's why uh, this is what my favorite podcasts do. One episode, you joke for an hour and just have fun. Others, you have more serious conversations. And there, that's, again, life is a balance. You need to be able to do a little bit of both. As Charlemagne the God, but you know I love Charlemagne the God. I know, I, I know, told yeah. the attempts to try to get him here in the spring. If it happens, I can't wait. Every, it's a balance. Ba- life sure. is a balance of ratchetness and righteousness. And so just being able to do a little bit of everything, there's nothing wrong with that. Thank you. And so with that, <laughs> I will bring us to the Tiger Confession section because we are at an hour, eight minutes, and Isabel's not going to be happy with me. Excellent. So we will only do one. I'll, I'll confront Isabel as your as your <laughs> class senator, as your representative. Um, uh, okay, let's do this one. It says, the culture at this school, and this one really isn't. Actually, I'll just read it, and then you just give general thoughts. The culture at this school is insane. The fact that I cannot stop doing homework even when I'm sick as a dog is absurd. Shout out to the Princeton plague. Everyone I know here has a terrible virus, and yet we are st- we still have, and yet we all still have work to do. UHS told me to go to class, but that seems unfair, so I'm not going. Just why is the school like this? Why can't we prioritize health once? Please, I feel like crap. What are your thoughts on that, Brad? Um. Yeah. So I feel like uh, that in a normal semester that this is especially true like in a like non-covid setting uh there is a health there is a culture around health that is not great um yeah but i think right now because a lot of the professors are either old or have families that are not in, like younger kids that are not entirely vaccinated if you email them and say I did this the other day actually because I too fell to the to the Princeton the plague. Princeton plague had me down bad three yeah. Mondays ago. I was in bed from six p.m. one day till ten a.m. the next day. But sorry, continue. Dude, I had an ear infection for two weeks. I felt like I was underwater until like two days ago. But glad to have you back uh, above. <laughs> thank you, thank you. Um, but because people are afraid of COVID. There's a little bit more of a, some flexibility there. Like I got out of a seminar, like I got out of a German test, like you just like just do what you need to do to to like, you know, take advantage of the situation a little bit. Like obviously this is 
you know, I don't know, I don't know how we're supposed to treat this this Tiger Confessions post, but that's kind of my take on it. What do you? Yeah, no, and that's that. That is it. I just read it. You give general um, reactions to it. There's no specific way to treat it. Okay. Um, but I, I mean, I yeah, I get it. This school is hard, and yeah. I think a lot is said that is just, um, said just to say rather than actual like any action behind it. So like, we care about your mental health. We care about yeah. this, that, or the other. Do they actually? Yeah, who knows? Um, we'll let the people say. From what this person says, that's not actually the case. But I, and this is, and again, I can say this is someone who knows what I'm doing next year. I think it is so important to prioritize yourself over anything that might be stressing you out, whether that's classes, school, clubs, people, relationships, whatever. Put yourself first. Um, all this is going to come and go. The classes, the work will get done. We'll all get our degrees. But you will remember the things that you do to take care of yourself and have fun and enjoy your time here. So yes, while the school might try to, try to, to they, they do a lot sometimes, but always remember that nothing should come above yourself, not even Princeton University. So take care of yourself. Things will be okay. The work will get done. You'll get the degree. Um, and yeah, just keep going with the flow, living your life. Do we have a Do we have a second Tiger confession, or did I just ruin that? We do not have a t- second one. Okay. Well, I did, but I'm not going to do it because we're at an, an hour and eleven minutes, and I think this is a great place to wrap. Brad, okay. this has been this has been a great episode. Honestly, one of my favorite episodes. I we could have such real conversations. That's why I appreciate you, Brad. Thanks, um, man. We're going to schedule our lunch right after this ends. But final words for the people before before we wrap. Uh, I hope I've lived up to the seven, um, and I think that you know. This I, I was expecting to really bring the fire in this show, and uh, you know, we, we kind of the Kenya stuff like very serious. So you know, I hope you have me back sometime. I hope we can we can share some laughs. You I know? like our chemistry and too, bro. Our chemistry is good. Uh, you know, I love Florin, so it's always good to see him. And yeah, it's just a pleasure. You know, I feel very at ease now. I think I said at the start I was a little nervous, and uh, you know. Always say yes to a podcast after this. Very yes, good sir. first first, uh, first try. Thank I, you. I will say not every podcast will be with me, so I can't say how how much at ease you will be. But I'm glad you had a great first experience. Thank you. I think maybe I'll work you into the contract for future podcasts, <laughs> like only a floor and only if I'm there. <laughs> um, but yeah, I don't really got much. I think we had a very good conversation today. Um, that's all I got. Love everybody. Be good to each other. We're all going through stuff and a lot more similar than we are different. And so just always keep that in mind. Um, And, yeah, that's all I got. This has been another episode of Go With The Flow. Thank you for coming on, Brad. Yeah, just go with the flow. Yes, sir.